Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Force Podcast. Yes. Are you ready for it? Now, here is... Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, November 11th, 2022. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast. Uh, Happy Veterans Day to everyone out there, to all of our veterans who have served this great country. We certainly want to show our appreciation here to you this evening. Got a lot of stuff to get to here tonight. Uh, A lot of big things going on uh, in the NFL. Some coaching changes, some potential coaching changes. Talk about the college football coaching carousel. Congrats to, of course, the Houston Astros and to Dusty Baker for getting their World Series uh, championship here uh, this past weekend. And, of course, uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the uh, impending MLB free agency uh, as well. So before we can have our complete show, of course, both of us have to be here. Uh, Of course, I'm Aaron, and Alan is here with me tonight. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? How are you doing today? Doing very well. It's hard to believe that we're already uh, almost midway through the month of November. We're coming up uh, two weeks or so from Thanksgiving. And uh, while we're on that subject, of course, uh, food is always a big thing uh, for both you and I. You and I both love to eat good food and love to uh, add a little flavor to it as well. So our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. And I just want to throw this out there to you. I know I've mentioned this uh, a few times in the past. You've got that great four-pack of those barbecue sauces, which are all great, and uh, it's definitely a good time of year to go out and purchase that. So, so hop onto his website. Alan, what is the website for his uh, for his company sure. there? FLBBQSauce.com. Again, it's FLBBQSauce.com. Don't forget that sauce, folks. Get that four-pack. It's delicious. Absolutely. And honestly, it's hard to pick one, uh, pick the one favorite out of them all because they're all so good. So, but definitely get some, especially if you can get it before Thanksgiving. It'll add uh, some additional flavor to your uh, ho- uh, holiday turkey or ho- uh, holiday ham, whatever it is you decide to go with. And of course, there's also Christmas right after that. So, you know, keep that in mind uh, for uh, the following month as well. So uh, first thing I wanted to mention here tonight, uh, you and I, of course, we have talked sports for Many years uh, between the two of us, and uh, both of us have followed sports uh, for a long, long time. And I got some kind of definitely sad news. I believe it was yesterday. Um, someone who's always watched uh, different broadcasts and different networks, ESPN, um, CNN Headline Sports, uh, CNN SI, back when that was a thing. Fred Higman passed away yesterday. Uh, he was uh, really, in my opinion, as big of an icon as somebody like Chris Berman at ESPN. In fact, he actually worked at ESPN at one point. He was the original anchor for way, way back in the day, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, CNN had a sports program. He was one of the original uh, anchors or broadcasters on that particular uh, program. And uh, he also, over time, worked for, uh, as I mentioned, CNN, Headline Sports, uh, Turner Broadcasting uh, as well, and Worked for both uh, the Braves and the Yankees, uh, oddly enough. Uh, he was with the Yes Network at one point, and uh, yesterday, unfortunately, he found out that uh, Wednesday he passed away at age 66. So our condolences from the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast to Fred Hickman's friends and family and all of his former colleagues. We'll have a moment of silence here tonight. 
All right. Uh, again, uh, as I mentioned before, if you're just joining us, uh, we found this out uh, sometime yesterday. Uh, former uh, sports anchor Fred Hickman, guy who I really admired, uh, did pass away. And again, our condolences to his friends and family. Uh, today is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Veterans Day. And Veterans Day means a lot to a lot of people, obviously. It's the veterans that uh, have served our military of our great country that keep us uh, free. Uh, obviously, this past week, we did our civic duties, uh, went out there and voted. Um, and obviously, the results are still kind of pending in some places. But um, great to have uh, this opportunity to be able to have a show like this. And it's because uh, people who have served our military and helped keep our country free for the last 200 on uh, 46 years, 245 years, um, that allow us to do this, allow us to have these freedoms to talk about the sports that go on in the United States and abroad. And, and um, Alan, I want to ask you this, because I know both of us have friends and family members who served in the military. What does Veterans Day mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Veterans Day is a day to me that, a day that we honor the people that, unfortunately, no longer with us, but we also honor the people that did serve in the military, whether you're active duty, whether you're someone who's from the past, you know, we, you know, this just in the last few months, first and foremost, <clears throat> got to give props to Chef G. He is a veteran. Thank you, Chef G, for doing everything you do for this country, you know, making that sacrifice to serve for the country it means a lot to me because, you know, there is a lot of friends I have that, that serve in the military. I, I have it, but I respect people who have tremendously because you made a sacrifice that may have cost you your life. And that was for the freedom of people like myself and, and people in your family, my family. And I have, I have nothing but respect for someone who serves in this country and, and making that ultimate sacrifice. I also have to give props to Sonia Bryson Kirksey. She is the national anthem singer, for those who don't know, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I had a chance to interview her. She is also a veteran. I did actually wish her a happy Veterans Day. She responded on Instagram. So it is something that means a lot to me and a lot of other people. It is something that that's why I didn't post up anything about today about being Veterans Day. And I felt like we should talk about that to start, start our show. What does Veterans Day mean to you, Aaron? Oh, right, uh, right out of my mouth there from what you just said. It's, uh, you know, respecting those who put their life on the line. Uh, some didn't make it and some, of course, uh, you know, did. And, and um, that sacrifice that they put their life on the line is something that is very much respected. My dad, of course, uh, served in the Marine Corps uh, in the early 70s, of course, many years before I was around. But um, on both my mom and my dad's side, both my grandfather's, uh, served in uh, actually in combat in World War II. Uh, my dad's side, uh, his dad uh, served in the Navy. And then on my mom's side, my grandfather, uh, he served in the Army. And so, you know, coming up uh, when I was very young, um, you know, I remember hearing not necessarily stories about being in the war or anything like that, but just knowing that that was something that they had done. And I always had a lot of respect for that. And then I have family and friends that are serving now, um, basically in all, you know, all the branches of the military. So it's always an, a neat thing to, you know, you go out in public and sometimes you see somebody in uniform and, you know, obviously it's a, a neat thing to be able to, to have a day like this to, to pay that respect to them for what they, 
what they do and what they keep doing. So, and then you think about, um, you know, a little bit of a different take on it, thinking about uh, some of the uh, athletes that either previously before their pro career served in the military or, you know, um, someone like Pat Tillman, uh, who gave up his NFL career to defend our country in, um, in the Middle East uh, many years ago. So um, those are very important things. And I think there's, a, there's almost an intertwining of uh, military service and, and uh, being a professional athlete. And I think about that because of guys like, you know, Ted Williams and Joe, Joe DiMaggio, who took time out of their big league careers way back in the 40s uh, and 50s and, and um, you know, put their careers on hold for a little bit to go serve our country and then came back and, and, and played ball. So um, definitely if you're a veteran out there uh, from our show, we certainly, um, you know, have the highest praise for you. We really respect and appreciate what you do. So um, moving right along here tonight, it uh, looks like we do have our good buddy Lou on the line, and I know he's probably got some some big things to tell us here tonight. Lou, good evening. How are you? Okay, I almost didn't get the, I was going to get the right number, but I got it at least now. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was a doozy. <laughs> right. Well, AFC East is looking as Looking at me like the hottest division in all football right now. I mean, the Jets are only a half game out of first from Buffalo, and nobody saw this coming, not even me. But, yeah. Uh, you know, we're making a run now. We're making a run. Yes, that's impressive. Speak on that a little bit, Lou, that your team, you know, just last year and the year before, we we didn't really think about the Jets being a serious contender, and now they are a very serious contender, and they are very relevant. What do you think about – your team, the Jets now? Out of the toilet, for one thing, that's for sure. You know, now, <laughs> we can get some, now we can get some respect. Miami is now, in the, is now in the dumpster seat, so the tables are turning. I mean, the coach, you know, this new Salas, he has, you know, turned this team around. Um, we do have a few, um, a few problems, you know, with some of our land, but that's, but that's I think, being taken care of. You know, as one against Buffalo, that said a statement you know, last week right there. So that's really putting us in the driver's seat now. Yeah, that that is a statement and a half. I and mean, you got a chance. I know Josh Allen is questionable to play this weekend. He's, I even checked before our show to see if yep. anything changed. He's still questionable. It's it's going to be basically a game time decision. But that aside, they beat the Jets. Beat you know Josh Allen on the field. Yep. I mean, I'm happy. I speak for all Jet fans. Unfortunately, my girlfriend, though, is not happy right right now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> She's a Bills fan? She's a Bills fan. I don't know why, but she is. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Aaron, as far as the Jets? Well, I mean, look at this division, which has been dominated by New England for such a long time. And now to see, mm. you know, the Bills who've been rising for the last couple of years. Uh, we knew the Dolphins were going to be better this year just with some of the changes they made, especially bringing in um, a new wide receiver, uh, which has been a big part of this. But the Jets, you know, I, I thought like the, the Jets would be maybe an 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and kind of a 500 team. And that still could happen, obviously, but they are really playing well. And I, I really love what uh, Robert Sale has done there uh, to really get this team prepared for the last seven, eight, nine games of the season to get them in a position to, hey, all these games mean something now. So it is nice. Yes. That most likely only two teams in that division are going to end up in the playoffs. So it's probably going to really come down to 
most likely Buffalo being the division winner. I just feel like they're not better. So they got more experience. Yeah, I think the Dolphins and the Jets are going to be the two teams that are going to kind of uh, fight for that second playoff spot in the in the division there. I kind of agree with Lou. Tell you that. I, I kind of agree with Lou on that. The reason why I say that is because. You know, because that division is so tight, if they, let's say Josh doesn't play this weekend and the Vikings win, that's another loss, and that's giving them more hope, that being the Jets. This division is so tight that it's it's really too early to call. And not only that, I know that the Bills are doing their thing, but they have seemed vulnerable over the last couple of games. Yeah, they have. I, I I just feel like their experience is going to count for something here at this point. So we'll see what happens. You never know. Uh, there's a lot of crazy things happening in football this year. You and I were talking before the show started about how Seattle is suddenly, you know, six and three. I mean, they're in a great position right now in the NFC West. You know, nobody saw that coming either. So that's it, probably one of the bigger surprises yeah. in the National Football League. Anything can happen down the stretch. You just never know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Anything can happen. We got a, a we're just about a little less than past halfway. Amazing. That's gonna be week ten, but there's still extended games left. The good uh seven games, seven eight games left in the season. Uh, some in some cases nine. Yeah. But yeah, Lou, what do you got cooking for your show? Well, let's see. A World Series recap. Uh, we'll look over the BCS bowling or BCS things, or some people call it. Uh, they dropped the C in that one, of course. Uh, All right. World Cup. Yeah, World World, uh, World Cup preview because now it's only nine days away, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, we'll look at the nominations for the uh, baseball uh, awards of um, MVP. Um, of course, now that's a period stretched over a couple of days, so it's not going to be done all the same day. So I'm going to do it in two parts, uh, college football and pro football uh, predictions, uh, NHL and NBA, and a whole lot of other stuff to go, all in a nice two-hour package. So if you got time between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern time, call 512-543-4662. Remember, that's now 4 to 6 Eastern time, not 5 to 7. Some of you still might not get that, but we are now four to six Eastern time, and um, hopefully for the rest of the year and hopefully beyond. There you go, four to six Eastern Standard Time Zone, the Enhanced Sports Show. That's Lou five one two. If you didn't take your clocks back, you'll really be lost. <laughs> <laughs> yep, five one two five four three four six six two. Again, it's five one two five four three. 4662, the Enhanced Sports Show. Make sure you guys support Lou. He is our outstanding caller. We tremendously appreciate Lou anytime he calls. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, and of course, in December, we'll, we'll, have the, uh, we'll have the bowl game picture, so stay tuned for that in the near future. There you go. And in the meantime, I hope you and your girlfriend have peace. <laughs> <laughs> Great buddy, Lou. We appreciate him. So make sure you guys look out for the Enhanced Sports Show, 4 to 6 Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow. But, yeah, you know, we're still sticking on the NFL. I really am curious to hear, and then I'll tell you my version, the far as coaches 
the recent hiring of just just Saturday getting the Colts interim coaching position. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts, Aaron, on Jeff Saturday getting that that getting the gig for interim coach. Yeah, Frank uh, Frank Reich uh, out on Monday. So on Monday, the Colts hired Saturday to coach on Sunday. Um, had to throw that in there, of course. Um, <laughs> this is kind of typical of what happens. This is kind of typical of what happens when a coach gets fired. Um, you bring somebody who's already on staff, especially when it's partially or partially through the season. You, you bring somebody else who's on staff, you know, and, and make them the interim coach. You don't typically go outside of the organization. You want to keep some you know, some stability. You want to keep some continuity there. So it doesn't really surprise me at all. Um, whether or not this is a long-term fit, I don't know whether that'll be the case or not. We'll kind of wait and see. Um, you know, I think the Colts uh, certainly had a lesser than stellar offense this year for sure. And especially when you consider they went out and picked up Matt Ryan, who still has some good years, I think, left in him, but he's obviously now been benched and you know, it, nothing has gone right in Indianapolis this year, for sure. It's, it's been, you know, just kind of a, a crummy year. Uh, and all in all, they're three, five, and one right now. Uh, they're in Indianapolis, and they still have a shot. I mean, you look at, you know, obviously they've got uh, nine games left in the season or eight games left in the season. So, reasonably speaking, if they can win six of those final games, uh, they, you know, finish the year nine, nine, seven, and one. They might be a wild card contender, but. You know, uh, obviously, when you have uh, an organization that has been pretty stable for the most part in the last 20 years, and now you're suddenly, you know, going out and picking up veteran players and things aren't working out, sometimes those coaching changes have to be made. And uh, unfortunately, it cost Frank Reich's job earlier this week, a guy that I've really always admired, even since I was a kid. I mean, look, this is a guy who led the uh, led the biggest comeback in uh, postseason history uh, for the Buffalo Bills all those years ago. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes uh, if you don't win, your job uh, ends up getting taken. So well, what are your thoughts on, on the Colts and this decision? I know this has been kind of a, a whirlwind of, of days for the Colts here these last few days, few weeks, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts on it? I got a little bit to say on this, and I'll tell you the the positive first and then the not-so-positive. Positive thing with this hi- this hiring of Jeff Saturday, for me, is that the dream and the miracle of me coaching an NFL's team and winning the Super Bowl is still alive with this hire of Jeff Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) It is basically a Hail Mary when you're down by two scores. So you need to score a touchdown, then do an onside kick, and then do another Hail Mary. Because Jeff Saturday is somebody that was an ESPN analyst, and he just – Taking him out, and the last time Jeff Saturday coached was in was a high school. He never coached collegiately. He never coached in the pros. And this is not an indictment against Jeff Saturday. I think he's a really, really cool guy. He has a lot of pro player experience, but he he's very low on the on the hiring and the hierarchy of NFL experience or even collegiate experience. So it lets me believe that. Hey, if you're cool with a billionaire owner, you and him are buddies, he could just tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what, you're my guy. I want to make you the coach. Are you available? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. You're the coach. You know, it's, <laughs> this hire was out of nowhere. So it is just like I don't even think Jeff Saturday even applied for the job. I really don't. And 
Jeff Saturday was the guy that was a good friend of, of Jim Irsay, and he tapped him on the shoulder and gave him his interim job. That's the positives, that a miracle can happen. The negatives are from, I would say, a diversity standpoint, if you are a person who really worked in the organization first and foremost, you're like, what the heck just happened? And from a diversity standpoint, you're one of the coaches that are, you know, from another your black or brown community, you're like, how do you hire someone like Jeff Saturday when I have a lot of experience out of the blue? So it's not a good look on that regard. I definitely understand people's frustration with this hire. But at the same token, he doesn't have experience. But, you know, not all times in life, even if you do have experience, that's going to translate to success. So it's one of those things that, as as you mentioned earlier, to your point, hey, they hired Saturday to do a job on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I misspoke there before. Uh, I, obviously, he hadn't been on the uh, staff as a coach. He had played, of course, uh, in Indianapolis for several years. So I misspoke there before. I wonder, you know, sometimes this happens. We've seen this happen before. It's very, very rare um, for the guy who's going to be your long-term head coach to be hired in season. It just doesn't happen very often, and that's in any sport for the most part. I know NBA may be a little bit different. We saw some coaching changes there. Um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, which, you know, not are things that are in the ordinary, but in the NFL, especially, you don't normally see this. So I wonder if this is a kind of an audition because at this point, the Colts, like I mentioned before, they're three, five, and one, their playoff probability is very, very low at this point. I'd say probably less than 15%, if not lower. Um, and so it's kind of like, Hey, what do we have to lose at this point? If the worst case scenario is, he doesn't do very well. We move on to somebody else after the season's over. I don't know how the Colts shape up as far as uh, on the field, player personnel-wise, beyond this year. But there's some names out there. I mean, Indianapolis has been a, a – when Dungy was there, it was a defensive team first. Obviously, they had the best offensive coordinator in football and Peyton Manning, you know, for several years. So you kind of look at that however you want to look at it. I wonder who might be – a candidate to possibly go there after this year if this is not a permanent thing or a long-term thing, if this is just a rest of the season, get me by kind of a situation, you know, I've there, I mean, there's some good candidates I'm sure out there. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is something that's going to be beyond this year or is this just kind of a, you know, let's see what we can do. And maybe if he does well, we'll give him the job permanently. I think, you know what, since he's good friends with Jim Ursay and he does have some history with the Colts, I think if he does pretty well, he will get a long-term position. I really do. Because you have half the season, which is eight, nine games, as as Lou mentioned. He has time to turn around. One great thing about Jeff Saturday, I will say, is that I know people made a lot of rumblings about it, but I do think most players are going to give him respect because of his background and his tenure being in the clubhouse being, you know, he knows what it takes to be a winner. He has a ring. So he's worked with Hall of Fame players. I think if, if I put myself in this situation and and Jeff Saturday comes in, I'm actually going to give him his due. I'm going to listen to what he has to say and actually go ahead and try to execute my X and O's. And I think this is actually going to turn around to be a pretty good move for 
for the Colts. I love I love Jeff's attitude that hey, I'm going to give it a, a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm going to go ahead and give it full fledged. I think that'll respond. You you have a team that's really struggling. I don't see the the risk in hiring him as far as their record. So I think if he does well, I think Jim Irsay will give him an opportunity to coach the next year. I really do. Well, time will tell. Obviously, eight games left in the year for them. I, I would say you know if they go five and three or six and two even, uh, that should give him a, a pretty good boost for moving beyond this year. And again, a lot of times, and, and sometimes it does also depend on how the roster is going to look the following year. You know, is Matt Ryan going to come back and be the quarterback of this team? Are they going to be able to bring in some some other weapons around him and then on the defensive side as well? So we'll see. We'll, we'll never know until, uh, until we've watched it all kind of play out. But I wanted to get your take on uh, kind of the, the head coaching hot seat um, at the NFL level. I'm looking right now. I'm just kind of going through the list of, of coaches that I think are probably their seats probably getting a little warm right now. First year guy, I'm really a little surprised I'm saying this, but they've played so poorly, and that would be um, uh, Denver uh, three and five. I think most people thought they'd be a little bit better than this, and their offense has been pathetic at this point. And so Nathaniel Hackett, who had been the uh, offensive coordinator in Green Bay for many years, he got the Broncos' job. This offseason, I've heard a lot of rumblings about him possibly being on the hot seat. Then you go down the list a little bit further. Um, I really definitely believe that, uh, again, this is another first-year guy, surprisingly enough, and a former Bronco coach at that, and that is uh, Josh McDaniels there with the Raiders at 2-6, and six, all the money they spent this past offseason, uh, bringing in uh, Devontae Adams. And then uh, another out-west guy, got to say this one slowly because there's a lot of uh, – uh, not a lot of syllables, just got to say it slowly, Cliff – Cleansbury. I can never get that one right if I say it yep, fast. Yep, Cleansbury, uh, yep. I think he's going back to the collegiate level. Uh, there's going to be a, a number of really good openings at the college level coming up here probably in the next uh, two, three weeks. Usually the month of November is uh, usually pink slip time at the college level, and I think we're going to see some jobs. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. So I think he is probably on his way out as well. And then some guys that are their seats a little bit warmer, uh, maybe a little cooler now than it was earlier in the year, but Ron Rivera there in Washington, I, I think that um, the uh, commanders may have an entire regime change, including their owner possibly here at some point. So I think there's four or five guys uh, that are on the, uh, on the hot seat. Now I'll throw this in there too. I think um, uh, Stavansky there in uh, Cleveland, I think if they fall really far the rest of the season they're three and five right now they still have a shot at making the postseason i think there's a decent chance that he might be uh replaced as well it'll just depend on what happens but we'll see how that goes what are your thoughts on some of those names i mentioned there no that that is a, a very good lineup and i'll even throw I'll, I'll speak on a couple of those too but i also want to throw another one in in that hat and that's arthur smith i just really just think that Watching that game yesterday, the Falcons, to me, they played uninspired football. It's almost like they did not want to win that game. It was really a poor effort. You're watching Arthur Smith just shake his head almost every other play. You're the head coach, man. You, you, you just can't do that every other play. You can just see every play that doesn't go his way, it's on his face like, okay, how bad is it going to go? And I feel as if he lost the team. I'm talking about Arthur Smith. You know, I honestly think watching that game yesterday, I felt, no kidding aside, 
that I could have go ahead and took that headset and my clipboard and inspired and done a better job than Arthur Smith on that job on yesterday in the rain. I really do. I really do. So I think Arthur Smith also deserves to be in that list too, along with those guys that you mentioned. I would have to say Nathaniel Hackett. I agree with you on him, but I, I think he kind of gets a pass a bit because a lot of this has to do with some of the play with Russell. And, uh, you know, yeah. with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, being that you haven't had your number one receiver, you got him back, and they're starting to play a little bit better now. They're starting, at least the offense looks a lot better. I, I think some of those other coaches get somewhat of a pass, but I, I just think – I, I really do believe that Arthur Smith, they need to really look at that. I really do think that way. That's how bad it was. And the interesting thing about that is earlier this week before this game that took place last night, uh, Panthers ended up winning, of course, uh, was Arthur Smith was being considered uh, by a lot of the pundits out there, ESPN and some of the others, as uh, maybe Coach of the Year candidate. So <laughs> obviously one game has drastically changed that in uh, in the NFC there in the NFC South to be more uh, precise uh, we'll see how it goes I mean obviously there's still a lot of football left to be played one game doesn't necessarily always define your whole year although you know it comes down to the last game of the season that sometimes does have that big of an impact so uh, a lot of things to watch there in fact uh, we're going to come back here in a moment to our uh, NFL picks for week 10 um, wanted to, to kind of bring this up here we've talked about this uh, via text message and you know, just chatting uh, before the show, even the last couple of weeks, and that is the struggling Green Bay Packers. It hurts me to say that. They lost five games in a row. Biggest dagger this year for him, uh, for us, the Packers, whoever you want to look at it as, the Packers in particular, is they lost this past week to the Lions. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> they lose to Detroit and, and do it in such poor fashion. Uh, they lost to Detroit before in games where they scored a lot of points and just had a bad defense. This game, it's almost like, kind of like you talked about the Falcons. It's almost like they didn't want to win, even though the opportunity was right there in front of them the entire time. And so the question, should the Packers consider benching Aaron Rodgers at this point in the season or at some point in the season if things don't start to improve? My answer is yes, absolutely. I've been on board with, with moving on for a while. Obviously, last year when they brought in Jordan Love as a starter when Rodgers was out sick, he didn't play very well, so obviously keeping Rodgers made sense. But now it's, you know, is he, is he past his best days? You know, there's a lot of questions surrounding this. So I would say yes. What would you say? That's a very good question. I think if, I, if it was me, I would wait another game or two to see how it looks. I know that's kind of giving him a lot of rope, but I just would give it a game or two. He is playing a tough, tough opponent this weekend, which we'll talk about later in our picks as far as this weekend's opponent. But I just feel as if Rodgers is at that point, not as bad as Arthur Smith, but he's getting there where every play that doesn't go his way, he is just a sense of so much dejection. I mean, you have to, you can't show that type of emotion all the time. And some of those throws that he made were bad throws, but they weren't terrible throws, meaning he just underthrew the guy a little bit. I felt as if he was pressing a little bit too. And 
you know, he's trying to put, point the blame on someone else. I get that, too, that when things don't go his way, he's trying to point the finger at someone else. Well, you underthrew the guy, and the guy cut the ball off and intercepted you. I mean, you made three interceptions. Mm-hmm. It's not all the receiver's fault. You did not make good plays, good throws. And I get it. It's not easy to throw a football on a dime. I understand that. But you're Aaron Rodgers. Much is required. Much is asked and much is required. And I just feel as if I, I can't put it all on Aaron, too. The other Aaron, I feel, deserves some blame, too. That's Aaron Jones, too. So I would give him another game or two. I don't know if I can really count the Cowboys game because they are they are that is going to be a tough matchup. But maybe the game after, I would see how the team responds these next two games. If you feel as if you lost the team, I would make the move. What are your thoughts on the team moving on? Yeah, I, I mean, unless he goes out this Sunday and plays just absolutely horrible, it's it's in Green Bay, it's in uh, it's in Lambeau Field. So if he goes out there and has just a horrible, horrible game, and I'm talking like what he did the other day where he threw three picks um, early on uh, at that. I mean, just terrible throws, uh, ill-advised passes, almost like he was out there with a blindfold on. If he has another start like that this Sunday against the Cowboys in the first half, I think they probably pull him then. But if, if the team falls to, reasonably speaking, and I'll let the cat out of the bag here, I picked the Cowboys to win this weekend because – you know, I'm going with who I believe is actually going to win the game. Um, they're going to fall to three and seven. Their uh, loss streak is going to go to six games. Three and seven, if they fall to three and eight the following week, I think you have to pull them. I mean, at this point, you've got to know going into next year, Jordan Love is your guy, or do you need to draft somebody else, or do you need to go out and sign a veteran quarterback? And I think that would be – this is the – for the Green Bay Packers, this is the fork in the road. This next probably two weeks is the fork in the road for the direction they go for the next several years. I think if they pull Rodgers, I I seriously do believe it probably pushes him out, at least from the Packers. I don't know if he'll retire or not. Um, But I I definitely believe that this is probably the next two weeks, possibly the last time he's starting quarterback for Green Bay. I I, I hate to say that, but I I believe that's kind of where it's at right now. Now, if they win Sunday – and they get on a streak where they start playing really well, that changes things completely around. I don't think the probability is very high right now because it's not like they're losing to great teams when they are playing. They lose to Detroit. They lose to Washington. You know, they lose some games that they really should not have lost. Now, they play some good teams this year for sure. They have a really tough schedule. When you look at who they've played and who they've lost to, uh, obviously Minnesota's 7-1 and one right now. You lost to the Jets, who are – Currently uh, five and three. You lost to the Giants, who are six and two. You lost uh, to Buffalo here recently. They're six and two at the, uh, this point. So you have probably one of the harder schedules in the NFL. But that's normally the thing that motivates Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So I, I would say this: I think we're watching the last few starts of, of his uh, there in the Green Bay, and I believe we'll see a change this off season. Oh wow! So you think it's going to go to the off season, or you you think it's going to go in the season? Well, I think if he plays poorly, I, I this is what I got to look at here. You know, obviously you're 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 different wide receiver wise. Obviously, you drafted some good young players that just aren't there yet uh, skill wise. They're going to get better as time goes on, I think. But I think you have to look at it this way: 
Rodgers has been kind of wavering the last two seasons. You go back to the beginning of 2021 and all the things that happened there. And then, you know, obviously he had an MVP season. He won the MVP last year. But all of the, you know, ins and outs of him being upset that they drafted Jordan Love in the first place, and then that kind of all died out. Well, now it's, in my opinion, it's starting to come back. And here's what the Packers have to do. If you have a team that you feel next year potentially could be a playoff team, a, a division winner, or at least get in as a wild card, you want to know if Rodgers is not your guy, you want to know if Jordan Love is your guy. Because you, what you don't want to do is go into next year with all your eggs in the basket of, of Jordan Love. You need to know, hey, is he good enough? Is he skilled enough? Does he fit this system well enough to lead this team going forward? And if you feel like he's not, well, then you've got free agency, you've got trades, potentially you've got the draft to draft another quarterback. You know, you could bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, quarterback of that skill set, maybe for a year or two, but you, you've got to know going into the next couple of years, because here's the thing, you know, Packers, I mean, here's, here's the crazy thing about this. They lost six games this year. They only lost seven games in the last two years combined prior to the season. So that really tells you the downward spiral that they're on. And I feel like there's going to be a lot more drama as the season wears on. And unfortunately, there's a lot of games left to be played, and that might not be a good thing necessarily for this team. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, there is definitely a lot of games to be played this season, you know, with them shortening the preseason. But I just uh, – you know, I, you're right. I agree with you. The next two weeks are going to say a lot. And particularly, I'm more looking at his play somewhat, but I'm also looking at how the team is responding. You know, they, they, that's the biggest thing. The, the silver lining that they do have is that the Cowboys have to come to to – to Green Bay to win, I, I think the Cowboys are a much better team, you know, both sides of the ball. But the fact that you're playing in Lambeau does bode well for for Aaron. But yeah, he he just he just been he's just been off this year. I would have to say the Packers are actually right now in a worse position than the Bucks. I definitely do think that too. Yeah, and that's flipped here in the last couple of weeks. Because I know a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, we felt like the Packers were slightly in a better position. But here, here's the thing: I think some of this, um, some of this, uh, you know, having different philosophies or however you want to say it, for Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the Packers, it's that's been there all along. That's been there the last three or four years. But the difference has been in 2019, 2020, and 2021, they were winning games. And a lot of times when you have that kind of stuff going on in the locker room and off the field, the beefs that you have between guys. When you're winning games, a lot of that stuff just gets swept right under the bus. Nobody talks about it because, you know, you're, you're winning games and that stuff doesn't matter. Now we're kind of seeing the dirty, uh, dirty laundry being aired here. And I, I think that it's going to get really, really messy. Uh, what I foresee happening is when he eventually gets benched and they put Jordan Love in there, you're going to hear some sound bites come from him that, things we probably thought he was thinking for a while are going to be coming out. And I think that's really what's going to happen here. It's unfortunate. It's going to be an ugly, it's going to be an ugly ending. I think oh, yeah. career there in green Bay. I really do. No, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of weird how things turn around. When he came in, he had to deal with a lot of drama from Brett Farr, a lot of collateral damage from Brett Farr's drama. I say if, if things don't go Aaron's way, I agree with you. I think Aaron loves the drama, loves to point fingers, and it would just get a whole lot worse if he gets benched this year. I think it's going to be 
him trying to set the house on fire at that point. And if he does get benched, his time in Green Bay is over. There's not even consideration. He's going to make sure it's over. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it would be the last time he plays football. I would just say it would be the last time he definitely plays football for the Packers. That's for sure. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there. Now, the other thing you mentioned there before is somehow the Bucks are in first place in the NFC South at four and five. Um, you know, at this point, that, that's a real shocker. The vision that I think um, coming into the year, I don't think there was really a lot of necessarily competitiveness. You look at the Falcons being a young team, young coach, young roster. You look at the Saints going through, uh, you know, a, a coaching change quarterback uh, not healthy trying to figure out who's leading the team and then Carolina who I really thought was going to be maybe one of the better competitors they're at, uh, now they're three and seven um, but they make a coaching change early in the year themselves so Bucks find themselves kind of in a good and bad position at the same time four and five I mean yeah you run the table I don't think that's going to happen you run the table you go 12 and uh, what, 12 and five on the year I think more realistically I think they're looking at probably 10 and seven is probably the aim for Tampa, and they could be a very dangerous team if they can get everybody working on the same page between now and the end of the season. A lot of that will depend on Tom Brady, whether he shows up. I think their running game is going to be very important down the stretch, and we'll see how things go because they're they're not really clicking on all cylinders, it seems like. They're playing a really good team against uh, the Seattle Seahawks here on Sunday in Tampa. No, I agree. I definitely think the Bucks are actually sitting because of the fact that Atlanta threw an egg. I do think the Bucks are actually sitting very good. Even if they, let's say, you know, they don't win this game, I still think they're in actually pretty good shape. You know, the Bucks actually are a team that I do believe they could hold on. And not only that, that win that Tom Brady had against the Rams was huge because I think it boosts up the team's morale. And if they get, you know, when they get in the playoffs, if they get in the playoffs, this team can get scary. You know, playoff Lenny can do his thing. Not only that, the defense starts playing hard. You have guys on this team that have experience now. You you kind of was hoping that the Bucks were knocked out if you're one of the competitors. You would kind of like to see Atlanta or even the Saints or even Carolina do their thing rather than the Bucks because, yeah, you can't count Tom Brady out they make it to the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, always. It's not a guy you want to bet against for sure, um, even at uh, 45 or 46, whatever he is now. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's go through our, our list here of our picks for yep. this week. Um, obviously, uh, I had picked uh, Atlanta to win last night. That did not happen. I think you had picked them as well. Am I correct? I did. I did think Atlanta was going to do a much better effort and still try to hang with the Bucks, which they technically had a shot. They dropped an egg, and nope, I did pick Atlanta, and congrats to Carolina. All right, I've got the uh, Cowboys uh, going into Green Bay and winning on Sunday in Lambeau. <laughs> yeah, that one I, I couldn't agree with you more. I say that this this should be a game that the Cowboys should win at least by 10 points. Yeah, I just feel like um, with what they've done recently, both teams really in this case, two teams heading in opposite directions. Uh, Dallas is seemingly kind of, you know, uh, gelled. Meanwhile, the Packers are, you know, melting and, and things are just not going well. And again, like I said before, 
I foresee a very, very messy final second half of the season, and maybe these next couple games are it for Rodgers. Uh, look at the Seattle Seahawks, probably the biggest surprise in the NFC for sure at 6-3. and three. Um, And looking at the standings, they lead that division right now. Um, they actually lead, lead that division by, uh, let's see, I think it's a game and a half ahead of San Francisco. No one saw this coming in Seattle. I don't think anybody thought that. I think them to finish in the last place uh, for the season there in the NFC West. Going on the road to Tampa, uh, right down the road from you and I, uh, four and five bucks. I have Seattle winning this game just because I feel like they're being well-led by Geno Smith at this point. I know you're probably going to have picked Tampa. What are your thoughts on that game? I think it's going to be a very, very good game. It's in Germany, 9.30 in the morning, for those who don't know. Yep. But I just think, um, you know, I saw some of the pictures of the guys coming in of the plane. It seemed like they're in a much better place now that they beat the Rams in that last 44 seconds. I think this that win is the win that turns the tide for the Bucks. I think that they have the more experience between Rashad White and Lenny running the ball really well. And they're also going to get to their number one cornerback, the corner. I have the Bucks winning the game. You're right. I have the Bucks winning against the Saints, uh, against the Seahawks. Excuse me. And I forgot that game was in uh, in uh, Europe this <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, both teams have to fly across the pond, and and you know, that's six, seven, eight hour flight. I'm not sure how long it is from from Tampa or from the east uh, east part of the United States. Uh, from Seattle, that's got to be probably. 14, 12, 14 hour flight. So does that extra couple hours on a plane or maybe doubling their time from where they are, from where Tampa is at, does that have any impact on Seattle's play or at least their uh, awareness on Sunday morning? I do. I do think that Seattle is going to have a bit of a hangover. That's one of the bad things about being in Seattle is that you're kind of like all the way on the other side of most things. I think that will have some effect on the players. And, you know, Seattle is playing well, but I just feel as if this emotional lift that the Bucks have, knowing that now that the Falcons lost, this is the time that they can step up and really put a chokehold on the division. And I really do think that they're in a very, very good place. I love the body language I saw from a lot of the Bucks getting off the plane. They seem rejuvenated. You'd have thought it was like a two-hour flight to Miami or something. I will flight to Miami. That's, what, that's how they looked. One of the reporters gave gifted Tom Brady some of those German shorts, those cool shorts <laughs> with a Bucks logo. It was really cool. I just think that the team spirit is a lot better. They're in a lot better place. I, I, I don't see them losing against the, the Seattle. As, as much as well as Seattle has played, I just feel as if the running game is not going, the defense is going to step up, and I feel as if, the Bucks are going to beat Seattle in a close and a very competitive game. Yeah, it should be a very good, uh, very good game there Sunday morning. This next one is a juggernaut as far as I'm concerned. Two uh, two teams that are playing really well, leading their divisions currently. Uh, you got the uh, seven and one Minnesota Vikings. Maybe maybe one of the bigger surprises to some degree for how well they played the entire year, going on the road to Buffalo to play the six and two. Buffalo Bills. Now, I picked Buffalo because of the fact that they're playing in Buffalo. 
elements there. I'm not sure what the weather's supposed to be like in Buffalo on Sunday. If it is, you know, more of a uh, cold and snowy or cold and even rainy type of um, <laughs> environment, I think that Buffalo is more ready or more prepared for that than the Vikings who play, of course, in a indoor stadium. So I've got Buffalo winning that game Sunday. Yeah, this is a tough pick, but I, I, I am going to go with the Vikings. I just feel with Josh Allen as of right now, before the show, I checked it. It's, it's, it's a game-time decision with Josh Allen right now. No one knows if he's playing. I'm going to bet that he's not going to play. And that's just my, my bet. If I'm a betting man, I just which I'm not, I, I just think that they're going to probably sit Josh Allen this game. I think the risk of him injuring himself more, I know that Josh probably would want to play. But I just love what I've seen with the Vikings. I love the little dance that Kirk Cousins did on the plane. Those guys having a lot of fun. And I feel as if they have they have an incredible back. Dalvin Cook, even if you're not able to throw the ball as well, I feel as if they can still run the ball really well. They have another weapon and pockets in. If, if they do need to throw a short pass, I just think the, the Vikings are coming in hot, and I just think that they're going to beat the, the Bills, even if Josh Allen plays what I doubt he is going to play. All right, then we got the uh, two and six Lions going to Chicago to play the three and six Bears. Uh, Detroit has actually, believe it or not, in those six losses, uh, played very close football. They've probably been one of the more competitive teams uh, that has played uh, with such a poor record this year. But I have the Bears winning this game Sunday there in Chicago. Yeah, I agree. I have the Bears also winning this game in Chicago. I just love what Justin Fields was able to do against Miami. The offense was starting to click. Justin Fields is starting to be himself, run, start passing. He's starting to turn the tide and start playing a lot better. I, I do have – and they have a very good running back as well. So I, I have the, the Bears also winning. All right, then the struggling Broncos uh, take their show on the road to Nashville on Sunday. Uh, they're playing the 5-3 and three Titans. I've got Tennessee winning that game. Yeah, that one there is, is, is pretty much a situation where I don't uh, – Tennessee is going to do their thing. They have a very good defense, and I think they're going to win the game and beat, and beat Denver. All right, and then the Jaguars, they're still a very young team, 3-6. and six. Uh, heading into Kansas City to play the 6-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. I have uh, Kansas City winning that game Sunday. Yeah, Kansas City is one of the best teams this, this year, this season, and they're, they're really doing their thing. Jaguars are showing some life and doing also very well, but I just don't see them beating the Chiefs. They're, they're one of the top teams in the league, so I, I agree with you. I have the Chiefs winning too. All right, and then uh, Miami at six and three. They've got gotten back on track here. They're hosting the three and five uh, Cleveland Browns. Miami, I've got winning them. I got them winning rather on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I have Miami as well winning. It's just I love what Tua has walked away from the concussion protocol. He's doing a great job of getting the ball out of his hands quicker. I think that's a big improvement for him. And you got Tyreek Hill. I have Miami also winning the game on Sunday. All right, and then you've got uh, probably the worst team in football going uh, into New York. It's the Texans are one six and one. Uh, the Giants at six and two, uh, playing really solid football right now. I got the Giants on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I have the Giants winning two on Sunday. 
that's a tough game for the Texans to win. The Giants are kind of clicking on all cylinders. Love. Big props to Saquon Barkley on his return. He's doing a fantastic job with some serious injuries. I have the Giants also winning. All right, and then the struggling Saints at 3-6. and six, They are on the road in the Steel City playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are at 2-6. and six. This is one of my um, upset picks this week. I have uh, Pittsburgh winning at home there in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. So Okay, so this one we do have a difference of opinion on. I do have the Saints winning this game. As much as I don't want to pick the Saints, I just feel as if they actually looked – pretty good against the Ravens. The Ravens were just a superior team. And I do feel as if they're going to find a way to beat the Steelers at home. And I, I just feel as if this, the, the Saints are going to win this game. All right. So we're going to give uh, Mr. Saturday uh, his due here. He's coaching his first game Sunday in Las Vegas. I'm not sure what the odds are on this happening, but the Colts at 3-5-1 and one are going to the struggling Las Vegas Raiders, who are at 2-6 and six right now. I have the Colts, believe it or not, winning this game under new head coach Jeff Saturday. I think Jeff Saturday wins a game on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I think Jeff Saturday is going to – they're going to be excited that they got a new coach in, guy what has – he may not have coaching experience, but he definitely has battle experience. Jonathan Taylor is coming back. I feel as if the Raiders are, are teeter-tottering with packing it in. Because they lost Darren Waller, who's out for the season, I think Devontae Adams is frustrated galore. I have Jeff Saturday winning in his debut against the Raiders. I agree with you. All right, and then you get the battle of uh, two struggling NFC West teams, the defending champion Rams at 3-5, and five, and not much uh, better, actually not much worse than them, the uh, struggling Arizona Cardinals, 3-6. Um, and six. I have, uh, believe it or not, I have the Cardinals winning this game on the road Sunday. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that one, too. I just think that the Rams losing that game against the Bucks the way they did, I do believe it's going to be a half. It's going to be an after kind of like a carryover. The Cardinals are actually doing a lot better now that they got D Hop back. They they to me they, their offense is looking a lot better. He's a big big part of their offense. He's back. I think the Cardinals are going to go ahead and play a very good game and beat the Rams. All right, and then the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they are heading. Uh, a little north uh, up to the uh, San, uh, San Francisco area, of course, to play the 49ers, who are at 4-4. Four and four. Chargers are at 5-3. and three. I have uh, 49ers winning this as an upset. Yeah, I'm surprised the 49ers are, are, are indeed an upset winning this game. I'm surprised that they're not the favorite. With Christian McCaffrey now on the team, San Francisco has too many weapons. They're starting to turn things around. I have... San Francisco also winning against the Chargers. All right, and then our final game of, well, let's see, uh, final game of the week here, Monday Night Football. It is the Washington Commanders at 4-5, and five, and they are heading on the road to play the undefeated 8-0 and o Philadelphia Eagles. This is my lock pick for the week. I have the Eagles winning at home. 
yeah, this one here, the Watch Commanders, you know what, I wish them luck, but I don't think they have a chance to win this game at all. I have the Eagles winning this game, and it, it should be like, shouldn't really be much of it. They get every team that you, that the Eagles are going to play is going to give it their very best. So there is no easy wins, but I just think the Eagles are going to take care of business and win this game. All right. So those are our picks for week 10 of the National Football League season. Uh, remember, as we always uh, like to make mention on our program, uh, these are not for betting purposes. Um, in fact, uh, we certainly do not encourage that kind of thing, uh, especially from our picks anyways. We're amateurs when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I know uh, earlier this week, in fact, Alan, you did a, um, a, uh, an interview uh, with uh, special guest speaker uh, Patrick Chester. I want you to tell us a little bit about that interview. Boy, that was a fantastic interview. I really encourage anybody to go ahead and watch that interview, especially if you know somebody or if you think about getting into gambling. It was just a well-done interview. We seemed to click really well. Patrick Chester is a guy who struggled with gambling addiction. It's something that you know, I don't want to give away the whole interview, but I will say it was started off small and it turned into something really, really big. I'll give you a little nugget too. It was a it was an outstanding interview and really powerful. I really wish everybody would watch that interview. But one other point I will make on that interview, a little nugget I'll give you, is I will never ever look at when the Seattle Seahawks lost because they did not hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch <laughs> and score in that Super Bowl. I will never look at that play ever again the same until you watch this interview. You will see what I'm talking about. Check that interview out, but I will give you that little nugget there. I will never look at the Seahawks losing that Super Bowl the same after watching after speaking to Patrick Chester Man, and just just to think, Patrick Chester is a big-time TEDx speaker. He's, and for those who don't know, to be on the lineup of TEDx, that's that's huge. I really appreciate Patrick Chester. I hope he hears this. Thank you so much for sharing your story to encourage and help others. That is remarkable that you are doing that. I am so appreciative of you. And you know what? He gave us a great compliment here. You know, when speaking to him after the interview, he said, we have here at the Allen and Aaron Sports and Greatest, his exact words, we have a great podcast. And I know that that's coming from somebody who's actually done other podcasts and other speaking events. For us to stand out and for him to say that, props to Patrick Chester. In fact, you deserve a round of applause. Yeah, we definitely always appreciate uh, kind words, and, uh, of course, uh, he's right about it, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I encourage you guys, man, you need to watch that interview. That is, that is a fantastic job that he did. Great, great interview. You know, and just one other thought I wanted to share with people that what makes an interview great is when the person you feel is just being transparent. They're not being coy about things. They're not trying to tell you things that they want you to sound good. That's not really the truth. I really felt as if he was being very transparent in both the good and bad. And you and boy, that was a really powerful interview. Fantastic job. 
Glad to hear it, and definitely uh, people can check that out on, uh, I believe there's a link up on our Facebook page, as well as our Instagram, and of course uh, the YouTube page uh, that you, or YouTube channel that you do uh, run there uh, for us as well. So uh, moving right along, hard to believe the first hour of the show is already, uh, or we're an hour into the program here tonight, uh, of course, so (laughs) it goes by quick, (laughs) um, especially when we have so much to get to. Um, Last Saturday, um, finally, after being a big league manager for over 25 years, Dusty Baker leads the Houston Astros to the World Series. Uh, They earned it this time around, certainly, um, after trailing two games to one to uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think the turning point in that series was the no-hitter uh, that they uh, were able to pitch uh, combined no hitter only the second time in the history of the World Series that a no hitter was pitched in the World Series and only the third no hitter in postseason history. The last one, of course, coming uh, by the late Roy Halladay back in 2010. Uh, that was in, I believe, a division series game that that occurred. But uh, congratulations to Dusty Baker. He is one of the one of the best managers in the history of the game. To be quite frank with you. Um, regular season wise he's had some definite uh bad luck in the postseason i kind of went and underscored those uh many weeks back um he's managed five different ball clubs all five of those teams he has at one point or another taken to the postseason and this was his third trip to the world series uh 20 years ago he did it with the giants came up a little bit short against the angels last year of course to my braves uh lost in six games there but this time around uh the pitching that the astros had timely hitting came to fruition. So I want to congratulate uh, not only Dusty Baker, but the Houston Astros as well. Um, it's a great accomplishment. You play spring training. You have the off-season workouts, spring training, of course, 162-game season. And then you have this gauntlet of postseason you have to go through, and it's not an easy thing to accomplish. So what they uh, just did and what they went through is definitely um, something to congratulate them for. So congratulations to both the Astros and, of course, to Dusty Baker. Now, kind of a turning point or a, a curveball thrown in here if you will is Houston just fired both their general manager and their assistant general manager not even a week after the World Series as uh, as wrapped up here so I want to get your thoughts on not only the Astros winning and Dusty Baker but of course this uh, weird decision that the uh, upper management or ownership of the Astros has decided to make yeah definitely you know props to Dusty Baker for winning the World Series and you know what also serving our military you know, a lot of people don't know that, but props to him for being a veteran as well as winning the World Series. Long time coming. I saw a really nice post that Barry Bonds put up about Dusty Baker right after they won the World Series. He definitely put in his time. What an outstanding manager. And also to have a no-hitter in this World Series, you know, that's just phenomenal. You know, it's been since Darn Larson a no-hitter in the World Series, 1956. I know there was four pitches, but that could actually even be harder to do when you have that many guys pitching so we can let up a hit, you know. It, it was just a remarkable series. I do believe that, yes, Houston has a bad rep for what they have done in the past, and that is something that's deserving, but I cannot and I will not take away a man's credit for what he has done. Fantastic. The Houston Astros, to me, was the best team in Major League Baseball for the year of 2022, and they showed it. To have five home runs hit against you, and then the next game you shut them out, and you throw a no-hitter, 
And then there was a couple of points in this series that actually could have went for the Phillies' way. They could have ended up winning this series. Fantastic job to the Houston Astros. Fantastic job to Desi Baker. I will get into the firings in just a moment, but first of all, both Dusty Baker as well as Houston Astros deserve a round of applause. Yeah, this is just a fantastic achievement. And to talk about the firings, I think this has something to do with the fact that players don't want to come back. I think this this has something to do with that. I, I just feel as if it's weird that you would fire the GM and the assistant right after you won a World Series. I'd have to check the history to see if that's ever been done before. But I think this has something to do with Verlander deciding to fly to Coop. I just think while because that situation has happened, there might be some really unhappiness behind the scene between players and the GM. That has to play into it because it just doesn't make any sense why you would fire the GM and assistant GM when you just won a World Series. Not even just a World Series. You beat the Phillies, who was playing hot. And, yes, you don't hit them. But there were several points in this series that could have flipped for the Phillies' way, and they could have ended up winning this series. So I just think it boggles my mind. I think it has something to do with Verlander walking and not and opting out of his contract. That is my suspicion. We'll find out more details later. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? Yeah, I, I was uh, baffled by it. I knew that his uh, there had been rumors that he might not come back, but then today to fire the assistant GM as well, which he would have been the most likely person to replace um, the GM. I, I think more information will come out as time goes on. I don't think there's necessarily anything that's out there that's overly obvious right now other than what you just mentioned with players opting out and possibly leaving. That's a, a big thing we're going to be talking about here next week is the MLB free agency. And of course the winter meetings and everything that'll be happening in December. We'll preview some of that next week uh, with the, um, the list of free agents and maybe where they might sign. We'll, we'll kind of go through each of those uh, things as well. Usually in baseball, the big names don't move until after Thanksgiving. So we're probably still a good three weeks away from maybe the biggest first name falling. Um, but you mentioned Justin Verlander there. He, um, I mean, he's going to be 40 next year, and he's still pitching like he's 25. So he's definitely a big name. Uh, he's the Roger Clemens of today's game, in my opinion. Um, guy who's just gotten better as he's gotten older and continues to pitch very well. And of course, um, you know, gets to win his second World Series there with uh, with the Astros. Uh, won the first one five years ago. So uh, we'll see. Uh, obviously, I think there's more to this story than just the. Um, just what we're seeing now, and, and, you know, as more details come out, we'll, of course, uh, discuss those here on the program. Uh, one of the last things I wanted to get to here tonight uh, is, um, well, Alabama lost again last week uh, with uh, well, second loss of the year, basically knocking them out of any potential uh, run at a playoff spot in this year's uh, college football playoff. And a lot of people have been talking this week, is the Nick Saban era coming to an end? Obviously, he's not really given any time frame on retirement at 71 now. He's the most successful uh, college head coach uh, football-wise of all time. And I personally think this is the beginning of the end. I'm not sure he's going to retire anytime soon, but I think this is kind of the beginning of maybe a little bit more of a mediocre run at Alabama. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with you on that. You know, 
as great as Nick Saban has been, he has a great collegiate career. And not only that, you know, Alabama is a place that a lot of players want to go to because they know they're going to get here to go into the NFL. You're on a big stage. But I just feel as if once you start winning to a certain point, everybody wants to beat you. And that's the case. You, you, It's kind of like what happened with the Yankees. Everybody wants to beat you, and at some point, the dam breaks. And it doesn't break like it splits in half. It kind of like you get a little leak here, you get a little leak there, and then, unfortunately, teams start to beat you in these close games. I agree with you. I think it is the beginning of the end. You know, he had a great run. He's nothing for him to feel bad about. But, yeah, you know, it's hard for you to keep up that level of success year and year and year. And he's done it for a long time, so he has nothing to feel bad about. But I do feel as if it's the beginning of the end. Other collegiate teams, other teams are starting to get, you know, they're becoming more of an option for players. It used to be like Alabama was like, hey, I'm going to Alabama, I'm going to Alabama. Now I think because of what with Deion Sanders and Jackson State, people are starting to say, you know what? There are other options to go to rather than go to Alabama. So I definitely do think it is going to be the beginning of the end. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything imminent on uh, Nick Saban there, but I think that, um, and I don't think he's going to be the type of guy either that retires at the end of a season. I think he'll he'll announce, you know, at the beginning of a year or as an off season become, you know, starts, you know, in January, February. As we get into you know the recruiting type stuff, I think at the beginning of a year um, before the season starts is when he'll announce, "Hey, this is going to be my last year," kind of a thing. Um, realistically, I think he could go for many more years if he really wanted to. And here's the thing: is Alabama has had a big separation between their talent level and most other programs in the country, and it started to slowly and even the last couple of years become more rapidly. The other teams have found a way to replicate at least the model that he has had at Alabama. You look at what, of course, Kirby Smart has done at Georgia, and they just won the national title this past year. Um, And now that we've got this uh, NIL, which is uh, name, image, and likeness, the money that comes along with that, and the transfer portal, it's essentially like there's free agency in college football. Um, And as I put it to somebody earlier today that I was talking to, when it comes to recruiting, you almost have to treat your, your team uh, in college football like you have uh, a minor league baseball season, uh, a minor league baseball uh, uh, system, rather, with prospects. You've got to get depth. And that's what Alabama has been so good at recently, or really this entire time he's been there, is one guy uh, goes to the NFL, or he uh, transfers to another team, or you know whatever the case is, he gets injured, it's next man up. And that's been the reason why Alabama has been so good is they've had so much depth. Somebody gets hurt or leaves, they don't have to worry about it. They've got somebody else who can take their spot and be just as good, if not better, that next year. The guy graduates, that kind of thing. So uh, other clubs, uh, other programs have figured that same thing out, and they've started to do the same thing, and you're going to continue to see that. And the programs that are going to do the best are going to be the ones who really stock and stack up their uh, their depth. Um, you know, new quarterback next year, new receivers, guys leave for the NFL those are going to be the programs that are going to do the best. Georgia will continue to do that. You'll see Ohio State continue to do that. I think USC will do that out west. 
Um, LSU is always going to be there. Texas is going to be a prime team here coming up soon. Uh, Michigan's doing pretty well right now. And, of course, like Clemson's been really good the last several years. So you're going to see that kind of stuff continue. And at some point along the way, Nick Saban will say, you know what, guys, I've had enough. I'm moving on, and someone else will take his job there in Alabama. So we'll see what happens on that. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm going to say probably two more years and he decides to retire. Yeah, I, I would agree with I think two, max three. You know, the guy's 73 years old. He has nothing to feel bad about. He's got a great program. At some point, you just have to know it's your time. And like you said, I, I just think some of the younger guys are, are not only looking at Alabama, but I think they're looking at Georgia and, as you mentioned, Ohio State. And and they're looking at them, What you know what, if I really want to play with them, I can still get exposure from them. I just think once you run out of as many recruits as, as you can get, it's inevitable that other teams are going to beat you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, well, great show here tonight, Alan. I know you had some uh, boxing news that you wanted to go ahead and uh, and toss in here tonight. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I did want to go ahead and give a thank you to Marcos, the killing machine, Escudero, I actually got the pleasure of interviewing him earlier today, and we're going to kind of edit that interview and post it up probably early next week. It was a fantastic interview. The Marcos, the killer machine, Escudero, he has a fight coming up on November 19th, so definitely check out that interview, and I will also post up not only will I post up the interview sometime early next week, I will also post up the link that you get more information about his fight as well. But he's a really cool guy, really great interview as well. Very different theme than uh, Patrick Chester. This is more of a inside interview, and it was very entertaining. You definitely hear what he has to say. I will let you give you a little nugget on that. He uh, – Definitely has a lot of confidence. So you're going to enjoy that interview and want to thank Marcos again. I also wanted to say that Sinisa Estrada, Sinisa Superbad Estrada has a fight this weekend. That is also a person that we have interviewed before in the past. The beautiful Sinisa Estrada, Sinisa Superbad Estrada. And, you know, she sounds like she's, not only is she a boxer, it sounds like she's getting more into modeling too, but I definitely do think she's going to win her fight this weekend. This is her debut fight in top pick. So I'll be here at the Ellen and Aaron Sports of Greater Show. want to wish Sinisa, super bad Estrada, one of our former guests, thank, uh, thank you for coming on our show. and want to wish her best wishes on a fight this coming up weekend. Hopefully the next time we get her on the show, it was a situation where it was just audio recorded. She actually had things to do that day, so she didn't actually – we set up a Zoom, but she didn't actually do a visual of the Zoom. It was just audio. Hopefully next time we get a chance to see the beautiful Sinisa Estrada, you get a chance to see why she boxes. And also, she's selling, it appears like she's doing some modeling too, but I'll let you guys see that. We'll try to get Sinisa Estrada on the show again. Boxing news, that is all I have for now. 
I will keep you guys posted as things go on. But definitely, I appreciate you guys listening and commenting on the boxing. I know we haven't had a boxing interview for a little time, but it's great that we're going to be getting you, giving you Marcos, and we're going to give you some a lot more. So stay tuned. All right, another great show here tonight. We covered a lot of material, and we want to thank our uh, our good friend Lou for joining us here tonight, uh, as uh, as he normally does. Thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You might need a support group. Uh, want to thank our great fans, all of our listeners out there for listening to our show. And of course, if you missed any part of our show here tonight or any of our previous shows, they are available uh, through uh, iHeartRadio. You can always go back and look at the headlines and the topics we were talking about. And I believe the date of the show is listed on there as well. So if you miss any content, you can always listen anytime as they are archived there. So for our great guest, Lou, for Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.